Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Oh, my blood is coming. Your fingers are This is Comics Catch Up. Where we read the comics suggested by you the listeners of War Rocket Ajax, that we have missed. Hey, everybody. Been a minute. Haven't haven't seen you in a minute. 
you know what that means. It's time to catch up. This is Comics Catch-Up. It's the show where uh, me and the man who likes to catch up on everything, Matt Wilson. Hi, Matt. I have a sign up in my office that says catch up on everything. We catch up on comic books that we uh, might have missed when they were coming out. Might have read the first issue, loved it, and then gotten distracted by bad comics. It's a terrible habit of ours. Yeah. I have been thinking about this yes. a lot lately. Okay. Because we recently did our annual award show, the Flash Gordon Memorial Awards. Yes. And it came up that was like, oh, you guys only talked about the same four comics. First of all, first of all, there were certain things we really liked last year. I'm sorry. Yeah, buddy, there's about four good comics every year. Sorry for liking something. Second, when the Oscars are like, these are the nominees for Best Picture, you're not like, they only picked five movies. And it, and you know what? It tends to be the same five movies for most categories. <laughs> yes. Yes. That said, I do think there is a thing that is specific to us as podcasters, Chris. Or that is specific to people that make content. I don't want to just say podcasters, but like people who make YouTube videos or podcasts or whatever, where they talk critically about a medium. Uh-huh. Where you either talk about the best of the best or the really bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And everything that falls in the middle, you don't have a lot to say about it. There were lots of comics that I thought about that we read last year that we didn't talk about on the Gordies. Because... I don't have anything to say to them other, about them other than, that was good. Yeah. Like, fuck this place, a.k.a. I hate this place. Yeah. I don't have much to say about it other than, it was good. Uh, you know what I liked in that comic? What's that? When they said, fuck this place. Yeah. That was great. That it was, was a great. Hoot. It was a great concept. Excellent art. I liked it a lot. But I don't have a ton to say about it other than, it, it was good. You know? So, I'm sorry. And I feel like a lot of the comics that we end up reading on Comics Catch-Up, except for the rare occasions where we don't like it, and it's a beloved comic from the 80s, <laughs> most of the time, the stuff we read on Comics Catch-Up is stuff that falls into that category, where it's like, it was good. And that is where I am with Heroes Reborn. It's good. It's good. The, the 2021 miniseries, it's seven issues of Heroes Reborn, and then a closing eighth issue that's called Heroes Return, because of the thing from the 90s right. that also did that. Matt, a thing that is 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Now it would be 20... Six? 27? 26, yeah. Something like that. It's a full person. Yeah. Its brain has ceased developing. <laughs> it's been drinking for a few years, legally. Yeah. Probably vapes. Oh, definitely vapes. So, look. 
I, I don't want to. I don't want to damn Heroes Reborn with faint praise. I think it's a very good comic. I think it is. I guess we'll just get into it, Chris. Mm-hmm. I think it is because that's what we're doing. That twenty twenty one. Yeah, we're doing series. the, the uh, Jason Aaron scripted uh, Heroes Reborn uh, with art by a a true murderer's row. Yeah. of artists. So uh, primarily, I think Ed McGinnis is the main guy. Ed McGinnis is doing the main through line story. So he's doing this, the issue one, which is kind of the introduction to everything. And then he's doing the hero's return issue. Right. And then he's doing backups in all the intermediary issues, but all the issues in the middle are also focusing on individual characters, specifically individual members of the squadron Supreme. Because here's the concept. The universe has been altered somehow. The Marvel Universe has been altered somehow so that none of the Marvel superheroes we know actually became superheroes. Captain America is still frozen in the ice. Tony Stark never got shrapnel in his chest. Peter Parker is just working at the Daily Bugle with no spider powers, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Walters is just an attorney. Right? That's the idea. And so the superheroes of this new version of the Marvel Universe is the Squadron Supreme. And so each issue, I think in issue seven, it's the whole team. But issues two through six focus on a different member of the Squadron Supreme. Issue two is Hyperion, and it has art by Dale Keown uh, with Carlos Magno in the main story there. And then Ed McGinnis is doing the backup. Issue three uh, focuses on the character formerly known as Wizard, who has been renamed Blur. Yeah, you can you can either have a yellow costume or you can be called the Wizard. <laughs> you can't have both. Well, now he's blurry. So that's a bad choice, Roy. He's a big Britpop fan. <laughs> he made his choice in the Britpop wars. He <laughs> sure did. That is Jason Aaron with art. I see, by I see that guy running. I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> art on that story is by Federico uh, Vincentini. Issue four is all about Doctor Spectrum, I believe. Yes, it's Doctor Spectrum, and that brought on the dude James Stokoe doing a wild one. It's that is a wild issue, art wise. Uh, it's good. I think it might be my favorite issue of the whole thing, but nonetheless. It's it's certainly not bad. Yeah. Uh, issue five is all about Nighthawk uh, with art by R.M. Guerra doing that one. Issue six focuses on uh, Power Princess and has art by Erica Durso. And then seven, as I said, is all about the entire team of the Squadron Supreme, and it has art by Aaron Cooter. And this is this is kind of put out there as, you know, a redo of Heroes Reborn. Well, except it's not. The, it's, the title is Heroes Reborn and Heroes Return. Yeah, yeah. And there is a pretty... As someone who definitely... Uh, uh, in the in the pages of X Men ninety two, a comic book that I wrote for Marvel Comics Comics, 
definitely did like a Cassandra Nova bit. I do appreciate that the tie-ins include a weird little Onslaught bit where Onslaught is Cassandra Nova. Uh-huh. That's but, another one I, of the gimmicks in here is that all the villains are kind of like mashups. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like there's the Black Skull who's the Red Skull, but he has the Venom symbiote. Who would go on to appear in the Jason Aaron Avengers run. Right. So th- this is where I guess Black Skull starts. But yeah, like the so. Doctor Doom in here has the Stone of Citarac, so he's Doctor Doom. About, uh, about, uh, Doctor Juggernaut. Doctor Juggernaut. Yeah. There's. Oh, of me for the way I pronounced Juggernaut the other day. Juggernaut. I definitely called him Juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> like on that famous viral video. Uh, Scarlet Witch, who is still a villain, is mashed up with Quicksilver. Like she has her brother's Quicksilver, Quicksilver's powers. She's like Silver Witch, I believe. Yeah, there are other examples. Like Thanos, I, as I recall, is just Thanos. He's Thanos, but he has rings. Yeah, like the Mandarin. Yes, he has, he has the Infinity Rings. Yes, that's right. Which is actually, actually, a Green Lantern joke because he's got all these different color rings. Yes. And Doctor uh, Spectrum is a Green Lantern analog. Uh, Ultron is huge because he's Hank Pym too, so he's Giant Man too. Yeah. So, which regular Ultron is as well? Yeah. In the Marvel universe, is Hank Pym now? Um, here's the thing, Matt. It's called Heroes Reborn. Yeah. We all know Heroes Reborn uh, from the '90s. If you're our age, you know about Heroes Reborn. If you don't know about Heroes Reborn, it's when all the superheroes fought Onslaught and then Franklin Richards put them into a pocket universe. It's when Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld came back to Marvel. And took over the core Marvel superhero books that weren't selling as well as Spider-Man and X-Men. Yeah, because people who young people might not realize this, before 2008, nobody really cared about the Avengers. Well, before 2005 or so. Yeah. Yeah, right. Before Brian Bendis in comics, but like the larger world, they made an Iron Man movie because nobody wanted the rights to Iron Man, so they kind of still had the rights to Iron Man. I mean, I guess Paramount had them, but they they had sold off the rights to all their big flagship characters, all the popular characters that people liked, the X Men and Spider Man and the Fantastic Four and Daredevil. <laughs> I have said it before. I cannot stress enough how much Iron Man was no one's favorite character. Yes. Uh, anyway, so that was what Heroes Reborn is. What Heroes Reborn 2021 is, is a riff on, I would say, primarily, it is a riff on one of our favorite comics, one of my favorite comics, for sure, and also one of our least favorite comics, It's which is kind of genius. Well, I have an idea of a comic that it's a riff on, too. So I want to know which two favorite and least favorite you think it's a riff on. It's a riff on, uh, obviously and primarily, Squadron Supreme. Yes, it is definitely which a riff is on that. better than Watchmen. Which is, what if, the, the, what if the DC Comics characters were in a Marvel story? And they kind of had... Slightly worse morals. Yeah, they kind they had the Marvel feet of clay. It is the yeah. masterwork of Dagod Mark Grunwald, uh, who we love on this show. 
Yes. So in Squadron Supreme, what ends up happening is that the, the Justice League, in the form of the Squadron Supreme, ends up taking over the world. They become the rulers of the world. What happens in this story is not that. If anything, they're like too loyal to the government and to the president, who ends up being a key character. <laughs> uh, because the other bit of the bit of Jason Aaron's Squadron Supreme, the Squadron Supreme of America, DC's greatest heroes because they all live in Washington, DC, fucking hilarious, is what if the Justice League were Republicans? Yes. <laughs> Which is extremely funny. And the, uh, the, the president in this story is Phil Coulson, which I don't know if this is supposed to be Marvel Universe Phil Coulson, but he did make a deal with Mephisto to have a evil, a more evil version of the Cosmic Cube that he used to reshape oh, all of reality. The Helahedron? The Helahedron, yes. <laughs> That's fucking great, by the way. <laughs> the Satanic Cosmic Cube, the Helahedron. Yes. The other thing it's a riff on is the Sentry, which is what if there was a DC Comics hero in the Marvel Universe who affected all the lives of the other characters. So it's Squadron Supreme, what if the DC characters were in a Marvel story, and the Sentry, what if the DC what if there was a DC character in the Marvel Universe? And everyone was like, this is wrong and I don't like it. It's not as good as one it is better than the other. That's very interesting to me, Chris, because I think you're right about both of those. But I have two other comics that I think it's a riff on. Interesting. One, one good and one bad. Interesting. Okay. The good Get one me. is Seven Soldiers. Okay. Okay, I see it. I see it, and I'm loving it. Because, like Seven Soldiers... And somewhat like multiversity. I just think it's a riff on like kind of Grant Morrison's structure because there are bookend issues like a a number one and a num and a number eight. There are a lot of essentially one shots in the middle about individual characters. Which is not exactly the structure of Seven Soldiers, but a version of it. Right? And all the one shots in the middle are by different artists. Yeah, yeah. Structurally, I think yes. Yeah, uh, I, th I think you, you hit the nail on the head. The bad comic that I think it's a riff on is Flashpoint. Matt, I I think you got it because it's an alternate universe where the heroes that we know either didn't become heroes, or in Flashpoint, it's like, they're bad. Or or they're different people, or whatever. It, the Flashpoint idea is that the whole universe changed because of one dumb thing that somehow changed everything, which is that Barry Allen's mom didn't die. Mm -hmm. In this, it's because Phil Coulson made a deal with Mephisto to be the president. <laughs> yeah, and, and the kind of the the little domino of this story is nobody ever found Captain America in the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a much bigger deal than than Barry Allen's mom didn't die. Yeah. Now, obviously, there is a bit of continuity issue in that, in that Captain America was, of course, found in the ice in Avengers number four. So right. the Avengers already existed. Right. 
but uh, you know, fine, sure. World, world without the Avengers. Uh, and only Blade knows. And only Blade knows. Somehow Blade is the character who remembers. Just like it, it was Barry Allen who was the outlier in Flashpoint, right? Right. It's Blade in this. And Blade is the one who ends up going and getting Captain America out of the ice. Yeah. Uh, and I really uh, like the bit of it being Blade because we never find out why it's Blade. There's a, a line in the last issue that's like, yeah, I don't know why it was me. Maybe because I'm half vampire and vampires are magic. Who knows? Yeah, um, I feel like Blade that might... also does not care. He does not care. That is true. There are there were several tie-ins to Heroes Reborn that we didn't read. We only read. I didn't the realize core... we were only reading the main three, so I did read most of them. Okay, so, and there's nothing about Blade knowing in any of those either. Uh, not in the ones that I read. They are okay. all the all the ones that I read were quite good, though. Um, I particularly enjoyed e- each one. Is kind of based on that DC plus Marvel idea. Yeah. So I know the Peter uh, Parker one. He's basically Jimmy Olsen. He's Jimmy Olsen, but with a twist. Uh, yeah. And that's a one of these is a Steve Orlando story, which was quite quite good. But I think I think the Steve Orlando one is the one about the Imperial Guard, which is a Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes story. Okay. Like, what if the Legion of Superheroes, because it's when Hyperion's a teenager, because the Imperial Guard is a riff on the Legion of Superheroes, originally, like, as created by Dave Cockrum. Like, all right. those characters yeah. were supposed to be Legionnaires. Right. As were Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Storm. Just, you know, a little bit of, little bit of uh, trivia for you there, uh, next time you're down at the convention. But, uh... It's a really fun one, and it's about how all the uh, Imperial Guard were infected by the Brood and died when Hyperion was a teenager. Well, I think we're going to probably end up eventually maybe reading and ranking all these tie-ins as like separate stories. Because I do think that even though they were in the Heroes Reborn universe, they kind of exist on their own. Like I'm looking at one, the American Knights tie-in. Mm-hmm. Written by Paul Grist, by the way. Damn, I bet that one's good as hell. And it's it's about Luke Cage uh, and Nighthawk, but it's also about Daredevil, who still is Daredevil, but he's going by a different name. He's the Saint, and I th- I'm pretty sure he's not blind. That's the oh, it's a serpent. It's a serpent. So I forget what it stands for, uh, but. The the gimmick of that issue is that Daredevil is still Daredevil, but he's not blind. Interesting. And also, a very funny detail of this is that there's a talk show, like a local Washington, D.C. talk show called DC Talk. <laughs> That's a very good show. That can't be... Paul Gris can't know about DC Talk. <laughs> I refuse to live in a world where Paul Gris knows about DC Talk. <laughs> It's there's a joke in this in this American Knights issue, but I we only did the core series for this catch up, uh, not all the tie-ins. But I, yeah, I guess based on what you're saying, the tie-ins don't address the Blade issue either. No, so it's just kind of uh, like, in fact, many of yeah. them are 
in that first issue, in the Hyperion issue, when he uh, the all the bad guys break out of the negative zone, most because of the tie-ins. This is worth noting. This is part of what makes this this squadron supreme bad. Instead of putting bad guys in regular jail, or perhaps giving them the opportunity to rehabilitate, they just put them away in the negative zone. All of them. Or kill them. Or kill them, or put them in Ra- Ravenloft. And there's a scene in here where... Uh, or Ravencroft, where, uh, not Ravenloft. Uh, Aldous Hodge is like, superheroes don't kill. And Hyperion goes, well, I do. Yeah. That, what a cool thing for a superhero to say. That's super cool. They all get put away in the negative zone or Ravencroft or they get killed. And so that's another reason why Scarlet Witch never becomes a superhero. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think it's ever addressed with Hawkeye, but I bet he never becomes a superhero either. Yeah, because, you know, there's no Avengers for him to reform as part of. Yeah. And... Uh, the Squadron Supreme, again, never gives anybody a chance to rehabilitate. Yeah. Like, there's a like there's a whole bit in the Zarda issue where uh, we see her uh, garden of statues that she has of people she's just turned to stone. Like, back yeah. then, she's just turned to stone, including Hercules. Yeah. And she, she gets Hercules out for just a second to ask him a question, and then she puts him right back in. Yeah. Uh, man, I did like I did like No Blade, the Invisible Sword. That's pretty that cool. Was pretty good. That, you know what? I, you know what that was? That moment because she's fighting Thor when she does it. It's extremely DC Comics. It is like artistically and like that whole issue is very DC Comics. If if we're being real. Uh, but yeah, I think it's riffs on all these things we're talking about. And is it better than Seven Soldiers? I don't know. Maybe not. I think it's... This is going to sound like an insult to it. I think it's less challenging than Seven Soldiers. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Seven Soldiers is kind of the Grant Morrison comic that that I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Look, I love it, but yeah, it's a bit too complicated. I mean, I think it's intentionally less challenging than Seven Soldiers. Oh yeah, like it's—I mean, it's a Marvel comic, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> Marvel comics are pretty straightforward. But I mean, just look at the structure of it. Like Seven Soldiers has a zero issue, then seven three-issue miniseries in the middle, then a number one issue to close it, without ever really laying out the connective tissue for you. You as the reader have a put, have to put a lot of that stuff together for the bookends to really make sense. Whereas this book gives you the connective tissue in the backups. I mean, it gives you the connective tissue in the in the main stories and places, but definitely in the backups, where it's like here are the Avengers coming together. That's what all the backups are. It's yeah. Blade getting Captain America out of the ice. Thor getting recruited, uh, Phoenix getting recruited, Phoenix slash Echo getting recruited. Like all of those elements are coming together in the backup so that when we get to Heroes Reborn, 
the showdown between this reorganized Avengers and the Squadron Supreme, like we know that it's coming and it there's no like head scratching about it. It's it's evident that that's been what's coming the whole time. Right. I will say I do really enjoy how little bits of information are meted out throughout this. Like we we know there is a star brand, but it's a while before the star brand we see the star brand, right? Wakanda is discussed, but people are like, Wakanda doesn't exist. And all the stuff where any time you would normally see God on like a dollar bill or something, or in a church, it's Mephisto. Mm-hmm. Which is a reveal. That shit is good. Yeah. That shit's real good. Uh, I really liked the like flashbacks to the history of this Marvel Universe. Like We get a Civil War. Uh, yeah. Like the version of Civil War that's in this when uh, Nighthawk, who is the one who brought back the symbiote from Battle World, puts on the symbiote again. Like when Peter put on his black costume. Uh, and we get like a very Silver Agey flashback to uh, Norman Osborn, whose Green Goblin is basically the Joker, uh, uh, breaking out of Ravencroft. And then going and running for president with his group of Dark Avengers, mm-hmm. or, or his Dark Squadron is what they're called. Which I don't know why they weren't just called Squadron Sinister, but you know, uh, it's it's very good. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. there's a hint uh, of uh, how some like Canada is now a wasteland uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that is covered in one of the tie-ins that I didn't get to. Uh, oh, and and that's the reason why. Wolverine, where Wolverine is, is he's leading Alpha Flight. Yeah. Uh, which and, is called Final Flight. Yeah. Which, which is, is great. Like, like a Canada Revenge Squad is basically what they are. Canada Revenge Squad. Yeah, uh, no, it's got it's got Letterkenny. It's got <laughs> Creek. It's got Eugene Levy and, and Wayne from Letterkenny. I'll say this. I think there's a lot of good stuff in the middle of this book. And I think the beginning is very intriguing. I think the most disappointing part of the whole thing for me is the ending. Well, the ending is just like the Avengers come back and they win. Yeah. Which, and and they send the president, president Coulson back to, back to hell with all the Mephistos, uh, the pandemonium. He gets essentially eaten alive by the pandemonium cube. Yeah. The helihedron. Yeah. And I mean, that's good. I mean, that's, it's not that that's bad, but it's after such an intriguing middle, it's a pretty standard ending. Yeah, it is. It's a bit rote. Um, and it's not like there's like, it's kind of a foregone conclusion and, and to its credit, like, you know, this is not really a bug as much as it's a feature. Like, Blade pretty much says at the beginning, like, hey, if we can get the Avengers back, we can fix this shit. And they get the Avengers back, and then they immediately fix this shit. Yeah. Yeah. One uh, big fight is all it takes. Yeah. Just and, one big fight. Exactly. And we can fix this shit. Yeah. I, you know, it's 
the Ed McGinnis art is great. I have really gained a major appreciation for Ed McGinnis over the past few years. Not that he's ever been bad, but his his Marvel work lately has been like really superlative. Yeah. And like all the fight stuff, all the art in the Heroes Return issue is is really good. It's just oh, okay, the president's the bad guy. The Avengers are going to fight the Squadron Supreme and the president's going to get uh dealt with. The, his cube is going to get turned against him. His his helihedron. And that's the end of it. Which you know, it's fine, but yeah, I compared would say to the rest of it, it's a little like you said a little rote. The worst thing about it is that Again, much in the style of a Detective Comics comic. The end of this story is a setup for the next thing. Which in this case is that uh, it's the 616 Mephistos. Yeah. yeah. Who are gonna sh- who are making trouble currently in Avengers. Yeah, the more stuff that's going to happen in Avengers. And set up for the Squadron Supreme being back in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. It's like the JSA came back. Man, it it is like about the fourth time the Squadron Supreme came back, isn't it? <laughs> the second time Jason Aaron did it. That's true. But yeah, like I feel like that is the like structurally that is far and away I think the biggest flaw with the story is that it is by its nature incomplete because it's the piece of a larger thing. Because it's a Marvel story, and that's how Marvel stories work, really. Like, I know I made a joke about how it's like a DC comic, but, I mean, that's the Marvel Universe, baby. Yeah, I Uh, mean, I will say it's – there are Marvel events that are more satisfying in that they they do feel like they're complete stories. Yeah, yeah. Infinity Gauntlet doesn't doesn't end with, like, a setup – well, it kind of does because Warlock and the Infinity Watch happens, but no one cares. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Infinity Gauntlet has a pretty definitive ending with Thanos going and living on his farm for a little bit, uh, and you know, it affects stuff that comes after. But it's not, it's not like the, it's not Civil War where it ends for kind of no reason, and then get ready for all the new stuff. I'm trying to see if the Phil Coulson in this is the Phil Coulson. Like six one six Phil Coulson, I think he is. Like Marvel Universe, Phil, Phil Coulson is a bad guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, as well. Here's the thing: because nobody cares about Phil Coulson. Phil Coulson ain't never getting over, Matt. Yeah, that's true. Not with you and me. Phil Coulson somehow got over with everybody else. Yeah, people loved Phil Coulson for some reason that I do not understand. He's just a guy. Ah, I see. I'm 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 looking at the Marvel database right now. In Avengers Volume Eight, Phil Coulson was brought back to life after the events of so during the War of the Realms. Okay, Phil Coulson was brought back to life after the events of Secret Empire, where he died, and was turned into a cynic who didn't like superheroes anymore. Okay. So that's why he asked Mephisto for a world with no superheroes. Well, a world where he would be in charge of the superheroes. Yeah, with no Avengers, is what I should say. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess if I died during the events of of what was what did you die during? Secret Empire. Yeah, I guess if I died during the events of Secret Empire and then came back during the events of War of the Realms, I would probably be a little bit cynical too. Yeah. Uh, well, the Secret Empire turned a lot of people cynical, I think. Boy. Boy. You ain't kidding. Uh, but overall, yeah, I think this is a good uh, series. I think we've talked about it a good amount. It that, doesn't overstay its welcome. That's true. And I think that might be the best thing about it, is that it's like, here are these... like The, the problem with the Sentry... Right, because we've had the discussion about the century. Century doesn't work, and part of the reason the century doesn't work is that like there's not much to that. It's like, well, what if it, what if a what if Superman was a Marvel character? Well, he's he's not, so it kind of doesn't work. And also, that's not a new question. Yeah, lots it's of characters. Not, Elliot S. Magan asked that question in the in 1974 and uh, inadvertently ruined Superman forever. No <laughs> disrespect, R.I.P. to a real one, but Elliot S. Magan alive. I don't know. Uh, I will check on that. Um, uh, uh, LLAP to a real one, I guess. Elliot Asmagan is still alive. Hey, great. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Age 72. Uh, 72. You know what? Again, no disrespect to Elliot S. Magan, the writer who, who wrote must there be a Superman, which did kind of ruin Superman, but also wrote Miracle Monday, which is kind of the best Superman story ever. So, Would you, would you like to know an interesting bit of trivia about Elliot S. Magan? About who? Elliot S. Magan. Thank you. Uh, he's been married twice to the same person, to the same woman. He had a Grover Cleveland marriage. He had a Grover Cleveland marriage. He, he married Pamela King in 1983. They divorced in 1988. Then they remarried in 1991 and divorced in 2011. So it also didn't work out the second time. Correct. Permanently. I, I mean, I guess it worked out for a while. For a while. 20 yeah. years the second time. And you know what? No no, no, no shade on, on a divorce. It's a perfectly normal thing. No, I just thought it was interesting that it was the same person two times. Maybe it's a different person with the same name. I th- Maybe, but I think it is the same person. That'd be pretty wild if you got divorced and then fell in love with another person with the same name as your ex-spouse. Yeah, that would be bananas, to be quite honest. Unfortunately, uh, I don't even know another AC. Yeah, that that's helpful. I do want to say one more thing about that Elliot S. Magan Dr. Spectrum issue. Like a part of what I wait, Elias Magan, Doctor Spectrum issue. I meant uh, James Stoko. Okay, I got Elias S. Magan on the brain. The James Stoko Doctor Spectrum issue. Part of why this series doesn't wear out its welcome is because of the structure, where all the middle issues are one shots focusing on different characters. So it's not doing that thing where it's stretching out a thin story across eight issues. It's not doing the Dark Crisis thing where it can never get started. If anything, this book starts in the middle. Yes. Like it hits the ground running and makes you as the reader catch up and 
digging deeper into each member of the Squadron Supreme in the subsequent issues is great because each issue has a really different feel to it. Like yeah. the issue about Power Princess, she's like a sadist. And that's what that issue's about. Uh, Hyperion is too loyal. Nighthawk is kind of the one sensible one. Well, you say that, but Nighthawk is Nighthawk's. What if everything everybody said about Batman was true? Right. If he was, if he killed the Joker or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If he, if he was just an obsessed guy who got off on beating people up because of a, uh, I, I think it's. Uh, who is it in the Avengers who's like, man, I bet you just had, oh, it's Blade. Blade goes, I bet you just had like one bad day and never got over it. <laughs> also, I love that Nighthawk in this is, I don't think this was from Scout Squadron Supreme. You can correct me if I'm wrong. He's a congressman and his Nighthawk cave is under the Capitol building. <laughs> the Nighthawk cave is new, but he was, uh, Kyle Richman was a congressman in uh, Mark Grunewald's. Okay, uh, I... I've, it's the Nighthawk cave being under the Capitol that was yeah, new. Yeah, the Nighthawk yeah. cave is great. Yeah. The the issue about Blur is like really disjointed and and wonky because Blur himself never remembers anything. His mind is always going too fast. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the Flash if the Flash could never focus on anything. And then the, the Dr. Spectrum issue... Is about a fucking psychopath. Yeah, no, Dr. Spectrum is the most Republican <laughs> of all of them. Like, look, say what you will, that is the bit. He's a xenophobe, is what he He's is. He's a military guy, he loves guns, he uses the power prism to make guns. Uh, he believes in American exceptionalism. Very much uh, so. Like, he's he's the, he is ultra right-wing. And he essentially thinks that aliens are not as good as yeah, Americans. There might be a metaphor in there somewhere. Yeah, there might be a metaphor in there. Somewhere. Could be like a metaphor in there somewhere in the idea of someone who's like ultra nationalistic and doesn't think aliens are good. Like yeah. People who aren't from here. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it also has like the joke. That goes too far. Like the one Jason Aaron, it's it's like a Mark Miller idea in this Jason Aaron comic. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. In the just the Doctor Spectrum issue. In just the Doctor Spectrum issue. Uh, no. I like I, I'm I'm sure I'll know it as soon as you say it, but I can't think of it offhand. So there's a bit where he's because the whole issue is him fighting Rocket Raccoon, right? Mm-hmm. And it's got this wild rainbow coloring. It's like some mad James Stokoe shit. Yeah, because a joke that I like is that uh, uh, he insists that everyone call it the power prism and not the uh, rainbow crystal. Yeah. Uh, so Rocket Raccoon shoots a beam at him that's like, this beam can destroy stars. And then he like deflects it. And then Dr. Spectre's like, my gun shoots a universe of cancer. Okay. All right. Yes, I get it. But also, I did like that because that is a callback to the Cancerverse, which was a big thing. That's true. Yeah, that's not just you know 
out of nowhere. Like I believe there is I believe though there is the Jason Aaron did a uh uh a Wolverine story where Wolverine fought guys with guns that shoot cancer, basically. Yes. I, that was, are, I say basically, I think they are literally guns that shoot cancer. That was a Mark Miller story, right? No, I think that was a Jason Aaron story. Was it? I think it was. I it swear might. there's a Mark Miller thing that does that same thing. But I perhaps I'm wrong. Anyway, that's the one joke that I thought maybe went a little too far, but uh, nonetheless. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, 
to get started. Let's rank this, Chris. All right, let's do it. Um, I think I think a good place to start would be the Sentry and work up. How about we look and see where Seven Soldiers is? That's a good, also a good plan. Seven Soldiers is at number. Well, Manhattan Guardian is at four fifty four. There, we have different Seven Soldiers things ranked in different places. Um, the actual Seven Soldiers bookends are at eight sixty five. It's definitely better than that. I think. Okay. Uh, Seven Soldiers Frankenstein is at 846. Mm, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I do think... I here Here's the thing that I will say. The key difference between this book and Seven Soldiers, for me, is that Seven Soldiers is Morrison and J.H. Williams and Doug Monkey and, and Cameron Stewart and everybody giving ideas to the DC universe, right? Yes. Like at the end of seven soldiers, Hey, there's a Frankenstein who fights, who is Hellboy. Use a Hellboy Frankenstein. You can use him. You can use him. Here's a new guardian. You can use him. Here's a new version of New York city. You can use here's and nobody ever follows up on it. And that's a pain. Well, th- they did something with Frankenstein, but nobody else. Frankenstein in the new yeah. 52. Uh, shockingly. Whereas this, like I said, one of its one of its big benefits is it doesn't overstay its welcome. And so what this is is like, I have no desire to see more of anything that's in this comic. Uh because all oh, of the like, I don't need to see members of the Squadron Supreme have come back. Yeah, yeah. No, I like the characters, sure, but I don't need to see what the Squadron Supreme Civil War was like because we got one page of it and that's enough. You know, that's I don't enough. need to see what Squadron Supreme. What this universe's Peter Parker is like, because we yeah. have one issue about him, and that's enough. It explores everything you need. You you can like, connect the rest of those dots in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think there is a little bit of completeness to this that Seven Soldiers unfortunately lacks for whatever yeah. reason. I mean, we talked about it being incomplete, which is true, but it's more complete than. Seven Soldiers and some of the yeah. DC stuff that we've compared it to. That's it's true. more complete because it's like it's not meant to come back. It's more complete than Flashpoint. What is which? Oh, well, yes, Flashpoint was supposed to kick off a whole universe, and then it came back. That the Flashpoint universe came back. Flashpoint <laughs> universe came back in an entire comic of a guy saying this universe sucks and then being like, eh, well, I guess I was wrong. All right. So are we saying it's better than seven soldiers, Frankenstein? I, I, I think it feels, I think it's, it's as a story, heroes reborn is, I think better than the one, the, the mini series of seven soldiers. Frankenstein. Yeah. Okay. It's wild that all those are mini series that it's like, that Seven Soldiers is like a 30-part series. Yes. I mean, yes. Um, our highest-ranked Seven Soldiers miniseries is Manhattan Guardian, which is at 454, which I think that this book. is... I think that's better than this. I fucking love that book, dude. It's my favorite Seven Soldiers book, yeah. When he goes to the little 100 people... What if, what if the population of Earth was 100 people amusement park? That shit uh-huh. owns so hard. 
when he fights Allbeard and Nobeard, the subway pirates. Yeah, man. Uh, t- t- talk about Allbeard, the captain of the USS President Clinton. <laughs> yes. Allbeard, Nobeard, and Falsebeard. God, the shit owns. All right, I'm just going to start looking at the hundreds between the Frankenstein series and the Manhattan Guardian series. Okay. okay. All right. So me. at number 800 is Avenging Spider-Man numbers one through three. That's the story where Spider-Man shows everyone's doomsday's dick. 801 is Fear Itself. I think this is, I think this holds together better than Fear Itself. That sure is what if a DC story happened in the Marvel Universe, isn't it? Is what if Spider-Man showed everybody doomsday's dick. That's true, yes. What a mean thing, Peter. Number 700 is Benito and Kyle Starks' Doom Patrol comic. That's a good comic. That's a good comic. What's what's at six ninety nine? Because you and I both now have a conflict of interest with that one. Uh, Flex Mentalo's origin from Doom Patrol is at six ninety nine. I think That's also pretty good. I think this book's going in the seven hundreds. Yeah, I think it might you're, be I think in the high seven hundreds. I think this is as good as Omega Effect, which is the Spider Man Daredevil Punisher crossover by Greg Rucka. Yeah. That comic benefited from recency bias, but is also a delight. Yeah, it's fun. It's definitely fun. That book is at number 708. Uh, I think this is better than that. Do you think this is better than the Valiant Book of Death? Book of Death, good as hell, actually. It's really good, but great art. With that, yeah, that Paolo Rivera art. Uh... I don't think it's as better than that. Yeah. Because I know it's not better than the Transformers vs. G.I. Joe movie adaptation of a movie that does not exist. Is it better than Daredevil Fall from Grace? Which is good, actually. Yeah. Uh, yes. You think it's better than that? Yeah, I think it, I think it goes right above that. So it's the new number 705? Yeah. So Heroes Reborn... 2021, uh, and I'll say one through seven and Heroes Return. That goes with the new number 705. So, Chris, now that we've read this, we've got to read the other book that we discovered that we should read in the December Every Story Ever special, which is the new 52 Secret Six. Hmm. So that will be our episode for February. It sure will. So come back for that, everybody. Uh, If you like these comics catch-up specials that we do every month, and the two-hour Every Story Ever specials that we do every month, and the regular War Rocket Ajax show, and Movie Fighters and Snack Situation, you can support all of that by going to patreon.com slash warrocketajax and kicking in as little as $1 a month to keep all of those shows going and get every single one of those shows totally ad-free. So go help us out on Patreon if you can. If you can't help us out on Patreon, a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use would also be a big old help for us. Uh, So go do that if you can't help us out in other ways, or you can spread the word about the show on social media and elsewhere. You can email us, catch up suggestions or whatever else you want to email us about at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. If you can think of 
a good comic and a bad comic that this comic might be riffing on. Yeah, let us know. That, that we didn't mention. We're on Twitter at War Rocket Pod. We have a Discord that you have to be invited to be a part of, but if you're nice to us, we'll give you an invitation. Just hit us up on one of those places I just mentioned. Patreon, Twitter, email, Tumblr, uh, and ask for an invitation. We'll get you one. Go to WarRocketAjax.com, our website, for every episode of the show that we've ever done. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever want about this show. And if you want to find me and my stuff specifically, you can go to MattDWilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social media accounts. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it's got links to all the stuff that I do. Things you can listen to, things you can read. Uh, all, all sorts of goodies are there. Uh, that get does the goodies. It. Get the goodies. We're Rocket Ajax. Get the goodies. <laughs> we're, we're done calling them good bits. We're just calling them the goodies now. Yeah. The goodies and the goodies. Next year for the goodies awards. <laughs> the Goody Rickles Memorial Awards. Oh, man. Did I remember to say Gordon's alive at the end of the Gordies this year? I don't think so. Well, Gordon's alive. Gordon is alive, and uh, we caught up. Yeah. Uh, that does it for Comics Catch-Up. Uh, be here with us uh, on the feed for the regular episodes of the show, uh, and be back next month when we catch up on Secret Six. Uh, till then, hey everybody, take care of yourselves. And uh, get catching up. Mm-hmm.